righty. Uh, Won't you all repeat out loud after me? I can win over disappointment. I can win over mediocrity. I can win over guilt. In this series we've been in called In It to Win It, those, that's been the journey we've been on, uh, talking about the fact that we believe that God created us to be winners. Um, we believe that in Christ we really can. As Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. We believe what Paul says where he said, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what's interesting is how often, you know, in our faith we talk about living what we would call a victorious life. But what does that really mean? What does that really look like? Well, that's what we've been talking about. There are things that I think that we encounter uh, that, that, that kind of get in our way. And if we really want to say, I, I can live victoriously or I can be an overcomer, these are the things we're talking about. Can I really overcome disappointment? Can I live above mediocrity and really have my life matter? Can I really believe God enough to let go of the guilt that I have in my life? Well, today, I, I want to talk about one that, that's probably out of all of these in this series that I'm going to deal with is probably the one that I would say most of us uh, or almost all of us struggle with, at least at one point or another, and that is this idea of worry. Now, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that from time to time, worry does kind of take over your life sometimes? Anybody want to admit that out loud? Yeah. How many of you, you have a PhD in worry? You can, yeah. And you can just worry the paint right off the car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there, there are some of us, you know, who this is a, a real struggle for this. And, and I believe with all of my heart that as we, as we lean into the Lord, that worry is one of those places in our life that God really does want to give us victory and something that we really can overcome. Well, let's, take, let's talk about that. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can uh, track along with me. And I want to encourage you, especially for those of you who take notes and kind of keep these things, I'm going to suggest to you that a lot of you in this room, sometime this week, you're going to be talking with someone who is struggling with worry. You're going to be talking to someone, and they're going to be telling you about something that they're facing, something that they're dealing with, and, and it's really consuming. They're, they are filled with worry or filled with anxiety. And, and I want to encourage you not just to take good notes, but to really kind of keep this with you, because this could be some really good stuff that you could share with them as well. I love the passage of Scripture. I think it's, uh, of all the things that Paul wrote, I think this is one of his most profound statements and something that I think probably would challenge most of us because we don't really do it this way. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're going to throw that up on the screen. I want you to read this out loud with me if you would. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, let me stop there. How many of you be honest enough to admit you get that exactly backwards? <laughs> yeah. We worry about everything and we pray about nothing. I mean, that's kind of, the, kind of the approach that we take. Keep reading with me. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, when I was working on this, I I, I sat back and I I started thinking about why do we really need to deal with worry? Because I think worry really is a formidable foe. 
And I think it causes so many problems for us. And I started kind of listing a lot of ways that worry impacts our life. And I had way too many to mention. But let me lock in on five facts about worry that I think you need to know if you don't think worry is a big deal. Let me give you five facts that, that, that might be able to help you. You ready? Here we go. First one is this. Worry drains you of your joy. Worry drains you of your joy. Have you ever noticed that when, when you're consumed with worry, your heart can't be filled with joy? Um, when I was reading different quotes and different things about this, it was real interesting. One person described worry as, worry takes tomorrow's clouds to block out today's sunshine. And I thought, boy, isn't that the truth? You know, when we're worried about something that's coming up, it's a test, it's a job issue, it's a, a doctor's appointment, it's, you know, whatever it might be, you know, we take whatever has not even happened yet, to something that's, you know, having, having, coming tomorrow, and it completely just drain, takes the, the joy right out of living today. It, it, it becomes a cloud for us. Secondly, worry depletes your faith. Worry depletes your faith. Now, put a little star by that one. Because fear is the antithesis to faith. When we talk about faith and fear, and I'm going to circle back to this in a little bit, but when we talk about faith and fear, what happens in worry, in worry we're consumed with the fear. And in, in, in when, when we're focused on that, all that happens to our faith, our faith begins to drain away. The more we focus on that which we're worried about, the bigger the problem becomes, the bigger the issue. And the more we focus on God, the smaller the problem becomes. And, and when, we, when we're focused on that fear, when we're consumed with worry, it absolutely just depletes us of our faith. In fact, I read this quote by George Mueller. I thought this was really good. Throw that up on the screen. George Mueller says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. I thought, what a profound statement. And it's so true. Thirdly, worry, believe it or not, will destroy your health. Isn't it interesting that one of the things that we often worry about is our health, and when we worry about our health, we only make our health worse. All the studies have shown that, you know, worry elevates our blood pressure. Worry creates stress on our heart. Uh, worry uh, depletes our immunity system. In, in other words, we, when, when we start worrying about how healthy we are, it, it actually works against us. Uh, and over and over again, we see that, that worry isn't just something of the mind and emotion. Worry actually takes a physiological toll on our body. Fourthly, worry distracts you from just living. When, when I started thinking about worrying, I kind of go back in my mind to some different things that I was worried about. And you know what I realized is, is worry is like this, uh, this amoeba that just kind of moves in and takes over everything in your life. It's like when you've got something you're worried about, you're sitting at work and you're looking at your work, but your mind is thinking about what you're worried about. Or you're having a conversation with someone and you may be there and you may be listening to them talk, but you're not really thinking about what you're, they're saying because your mind is consumed with what you're worrying about. In other words, worry just kind of begins to take over every part of your life. And you realize, man, it just, it just steals everything away from me. And we got to find a way to push back on that. I, I, read, a, I read a quote. This, this was so good. A guy named Mickey Rivers, who used to be an outfielder for the Texas Rangers, um, had a really kind of a common sense statement about his own philosophy of life. And here's, here's what he said. I just thought this was so good. He, he said, ain't no sense worrying about the things you got control over, because if you got control over them, there's no sense worrying. 
And there ain't no sense worrying about things you got no control over either, because if you got no control over them, there ain't no sense worrying. <laughs> now, I thought that, that sounds really dumb, but that is so profoundly true. If you got control over it, why worry about it? And if you don't have any control over it, why worry about it? Just live. Let me give you one more. You probably have discovered this already. Worry doesn't change anything. Worry doesn't change anything. I, I love this quote by the, the great Irma Bombeck. Throw that up on the screen for me. Irma says, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Boy, is that the truth? You know, we, we worry and we worry and we worry. And how far have we moved? We've not moved at all. And have we, have we really changed anything? Well, long before Irma Bombeck said this, Jesus had the same words. Look at, look at on from Luke chapter 12, verse 25. Read that out loud with me. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is no, it can't. This, this came really came home to me in a, in a very powerful way. Uh, many years ago, I was actually an associate pastor here back in the 80s. And uh, I was flying out of Oklahoma City one day to head back east for, uh, I was helping to write some curriculum for this uh, group. And uh, so I was taking, I was flying to Memphis. And uh, I got on a plane. It was one of those days when uh, it was just one of those Oklahoma cloudburst mornings. Now, how many of you don't like to fly anyway? Yeah. And, and I, I, it was one of those days I, I got there and, you know, I assured Wanda when I got there, they're, you know, they're never going to take off in this weather. And they did, you know. And, uh, and I got out, and I got on, it was a small plane, and uh, we got up in the air, and I mean, this plane was all over the sky. We were tossed this way and that way. By the time, I kid you not, by the time we got to Memphis, when I, it was one of those planes that you actually had to, they put the, the, the ramp down, and you have to go actually go down to the ground and then go inside, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I, I mean, I literally, when I stepped off, I got down on the ground and kissed the ground, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I was just, and I was like this. Well, that created a phobia for me. And after that, for the next years, several years, I, whenever I was going to have to fly, and unfortunately I wasn't flying as much then, but whenever I had to fly, I would start getting panic attacks like two days before I flew. And I, I would just build up, and I would get on a plane, and I, and I know some of y'all can relate to this, and I'd get on a plane, I started developing these prayer rituals when I got on the plane, you know, where I would, pl I would pray for the pilot and the co-pilot, the navigator, I would pray for the mechanic who worked on the plane, I would, I would pray for the other planes in the sky, I would pray for the weather, and this fear was that whatever I forgot to pray for, that was what was going to take my plane down, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like I was, I, I was God, you know, and I was taking it. And, and I'll never forget, I did, this, I did this time and time again. And then one day I got on a plane, and as I sat down, I still remember, it was a big plane, I was in the middle seat, and I, and I strapped my, strapped my seatbelt on and pulled it so tight I was cutting off the blood circulation, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I'm going through my prayer ritual, you know, and as I'm going through this ritual, and I I'm, I'm find myself gripping the armrest because I'm, I'm so nervous, all of a sudden this verse came back to me. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And all of a sudden, it hit me, all the worry in the world is not going to keep this plane in the sky. All of this 
negative energy that I'm generating, all this anxiety that I'm creating, it's not going to keep this plane up. If this plane's going to go down, it's going to go down, and all of my worry isn't going to change it. And, and it hit me, if this was going to be, if I knew this was going to be the last hour or the last two hours of my life, how would I want to spend that? And I was thinking, I wouldn't want to spend it worrying. I would want to at least spend it enjoying life. And all of a sudden, it was like this cloud lifted off my heart. And it was like, I'll take another Diet Coke. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, enjoy. And, I'm, and I promise you, I kid you not, from that day till now, that, that, that phobia has just gone away. Because the realization that God, and not just in my mind, but I mean he implanted in my soul, is that all of my worry doesn't change a thing. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You can't. And you need to let go. Well, you can't just not worry. You need something to replace worry. You know, it's kind of like saying, if I say, don't think about a white elephant, don't think about a white elephant. Block it out of your mind. Don't think about that. Well, all of a sudden now you're, I'm trying, you're trying not to think about it and you're thinking about it. That's like when somebody says, well, don't worry. You know, don't worry about that. Well, if you can't try, if we try not to think about it, you're actually thinking about it. So let me give you some thoughts about, so what can you do with this mind of yours? Where can you put your heart to replace worry? Are you ready? I'm going to give you three things. They're real simple, but they're very profound. You ready? Here we go. Instead of worrying, Pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say to you. Worry is praying to yourself. Worry is talking to yourself about your problem as if you can fix your problem, but you can't. Prayer is taking your worry and start talking to God about that. Um, Prayer does uh, uh, several things. Let me, let me give you a couple. Prayer invites the presence of God. Prayer invites the presence of God. Prayer is, is that which reminds you God is near to you. I, I love what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7. Read it with me. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? Now, think, think this thought through with me. Where is God right now? Yeah, not a trick question. He's right here. What happens in worry, though, is we forget that he's there. We get our minds focused on that. And, and, and so when, when we pray, when we talk to God, what we do is we, we invite God's presence near and we actually make ourselves aware of the fact that God is right with us. Look at me. Jesus never promised us that we're not going to have challenges and struggles and problems of life. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Amen. You will. But he said, but take heart because I have overcome the world and that one who has overcome the world is with you. So when we pray, we're inviting the presence of God into the process. How powerful is that? Well, remember what David said in Psalm 23? As he's talking about, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to remember that. Remember he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. Why? Because thou art with me. And that's what happens when you pray. 
you remind yourself, you know what, I'm not alone. And the presence of God, as we turn to him, the presence of God moves in. The Bible says, draw near to God. And what does God do? He draws near to you. Does that make sense? Prayer, prayer invites the presence of God. Secondly, prayer provides the comfort of God. Prayer provides the comfort of God. I love Psalm 1017. He says, Lord, you know the hopes of humble people. Read it with me. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort their hearts by helping them. In other words, prayer not only invites that presence of God, it allows the Spirit of God to actually comfort us in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. You know, it was so interesting. About a, about a week ago, I uh, have a, a woman who used to live here, attended our church, um, who is now living in New Mexico. Her name is Carol. And uh, Carol's son had sent me a text and said that uh, she was having some health issues and, and uh, you know, like, could I please pray for her? And uh, so I called her. And when I, when I called her and I said, hey, I heard you're having some, some challenges, you know, let's talk about that. And, and it was so interesting because I just, I listened to her and, and, and I just was kind of consoling her through all of that. And like, we got to the end and I said, can, Carol, can I, can I pray with you? And, and I prayed for her and I just prayed that God would draw near and that God would have his hand of healing upon her. And what was so, what was so interesting to me was the difference in Carol from the moment that I began talking to her until the end of that prayer. Because after that prayer, guess what? She was calmer. Her heart was at ease. What was happening? The comfort of God was drawing near. This is why it's so important when we talk about prayer, not just to pray by ourselves, but to pray with one another. Because as we draw near with, with, with someone else, that comfort of God can be there. Jesus said, we're two or three gathered together in my name. I'm there, right there in their midst. And we get to experience that comfort of God. Let me give you one more. Prayer releases the power of God. Prayer releases the power of God. Isn't it so interesting? Worry is me praying to myself, and I can't do anything about it. But prayer not only invites the presence of God and the comfort of God, but prayer also releases that power of God. Now, look, look at me, just truly. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you really believe that God not only hears our prayers, but that he responds to our prayers? Do you, do you believe that there's power there? Well, I hope you do, because over and over again in Scripture, God invites us to pray to him, you know, test me and see what I will do. Call, call on me, and I will answer you. I love how he says it in James chapter 5, verse 16. This is so good. Read it with me. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I could give you example after example of times that people have cried out to God for prayer and he answered in ways that were nothing short of what we would call miraculous. We serve an incredibly good and powerful God. Amen? You know, last, uh, last Monday... Uh, we gather together at the Y uh, for prayer. We do that every Monday at noon as our, as our community prayer group. And there's usually 20, 25 of us there that, 
Um, we have a devotional on some topic, a short devotional, and then we pray together over needs of the group or we pray for needs in the community. Last week, um, I, I led a devotional uh, on faith for the oppressed. And, and I talked in that devotional about how God sees the oppressed and how his heart is turned toward those people who are oppressed. And then in our prayer time, we prayed uh, as a group very specifically for the people of Ukraine. And uh, I, I know that all of us have been watching what's going on and our hearts are breaking you know, to see what's happening in this, in this country. And, and one of the things as we prayed, we were, we were praying for the people who have now become refugees um, women and children who have had to flee the country. I, I think they're saying now like two million of them have had to, have had to, have to leave the country. The men who stayed behind to, know, to, to fight and protect their homes and their country, but the women and children primarily who have had to, who had to leave. Now just think this thought with me because I don't think we can fully comprehend this here in our United States. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and saying immediately, grab what you can carry and leave? knowing that you're probably never going to see your home again or you're never going to see whatever it is you have again. And, and all, you, all you've got are the clothes on your back or what you can carry in here. Can you imagine these mothers, some probably with two or three kids, um, heading out, getting on a train, heading for uh, these different countries surrounding Ukraine, primarily Poland was where, they were, where most of them are fleeing to. Can, can you imagine getting on a train, not knowing where you're going, what you're going to do when you get there, how you're going to live? Can you imagine the overwhelming amount of worry that has to happen for them. But have you seen what's gone on in response to all of this? This is so cool. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. People arrive, these women and children arrived at these train stations in, in Poland to find the train station lined with strollers that people from the community brought so that these mothers would have something to, to push their children in so they wouldn't have to carry them everywhere. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Stuffed animals for the kids so the kids who had to leave their toys behind would at least have something that they could keep as theirs and something that they would have uh, and find comfort in. Throw that next picture up on the screen. These coats and clothes that, that were in boxes so that when these mothers and children got there, they, they had clothes and, and things to be able to stay warm and have enough clothing to last them for a few days. Throw that next picture up on the screen. These train stations filled with diapers and wipes and food and water, all of these things. Now, do you know what this is, gang? This is an answer to prayer. You see, all around the world, people are crying out to God on behalf of the people of Ukraine. And the Ukrainians themselves, many of whom are Christian, praying, God, we're going to go. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're going to do when we get there. Lord, you are our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Can you imagine praying that prayer, getting off the train, and then all of a sudden you see all that the hand of God has provided through benevolent hearts. Now, I just want to tell you, some of these people who probably thought that their circumstances were impossible circumstances found this to be true. There is great power in prayer. Amen. Let me give you another one. Instead of worrying, what should you do, church? Praise. Praise. Isn't it interesting? Paul said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, which we just talked about. And then he said, tell God what you need. And then you remember what he said? And thank him for what he has done. 
Now, when you thank God for what he has done, what's, what are you doing? You're praising him. You're gonna, you're, what you're doing is instead of focusing on, on these dire circumstances and what you, you're looking back and saying, God, again and again in my past, you have provided, you have done this, you have done this, you have done this, and here's what happened. When you remember what God has done, you will believe what he can do. That's the power of praise. Look at me. Don't miss this. What gets your mind gets you. What gets your mind gets you, which is why it is so important for us to take control of our minds and fix them on the things of God. I, I thought it was so interesting. I had had this from several years ago. On December 30th, um, 2006, as the world was heading through toward a new year on 2007, on December 30th, uh, AP, uh, American Associated Press headline came out and said, AP poll says um, many Americans looking toward 2007 with optimism. Many Americans looking toward 2007 in optimism. The very next day, December 31st, 2006, AP headline says, AP poll shows many Americans see doom and gloom in 2007. Are you getting this? Just one day apart, many Americans see optimism in 2007. Next day, many Americans see doom and gloom in 2007. Which ones were right? They both were. Because what you see is what you get. If you're looking for doom and gloom, here's what I can promise you. You can spot it everywhere. If you're looking for the goodness of God, guess what? You can spot it everywhere. Does this make sense to you? I love, I love how Isaiah says this, Isaiah 26.3. Read it out loud with me. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Circle that last phrase. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. What's Isaiah saying? Saying, Lord, man, when I'm, when I'm remembering who you are and what you can do, guess what? Your perfect peace floods my life. Here's how Paul said it in Philippians 4, just after he talked about praying about everything and not worrying about anything. Paul, in, in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, he said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Read it with me, church. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the peace, God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Instead of worrying, pray. Instead of worrying, praise. Can I give you one more? Instead of worrying, trust. Instead of worrying, trust. Can I, can I be honest with you for a second? I think a lot of us say we have faith in God until there's something that we really have to have faith about. Then it becomes a little bit more challenging. I want to challenge you today, and instead of worrying, I want, I want, I want you to do something that becomes very hard sometimes for us, and that is trust God. What do I mean by that? I put it on your outline. Trust the power of God. Trust the power of God. Do you really believe God is bigger than your circumstances? 
Do you really believe that God can handle these things that may be bigger than you? Do you you really believe that God is powerful enough to be able to deal with them? Trust the sovereignty of God. And trusting the sovereignty of God, that's, that's that's the art of when Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come Thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what what was Jesus talking about? Here's the deal. See if you can agree with it. God is smarter than us. Amen? He's smarter than us. And God has plans that we don't always understand. We trust the sovereignty of God. That means, Lord, I'm going to pray for it this way because this is what I really want. But, Lord, not my will, but your will be done because, you know what? You're God. You're the one in charge, and I'm not. Do I believe I can trust the sovereignty of God, whatever he might lead and whatever he might do? And here's the third one, and this one really goes to the heart. Trust the love of God. I really believe with all of my heart that if we really comprehended how much God loved us, we wouldn't worry nearly as much as we do. I, I love how Peter wrote this. 1 Peter 5, 7. Read it with me, church. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. There's a a pastor uh, wrote an article. He was talking about a flight he took some time back. He said it was a cross-country flight, so he's going to be on the plane for a few hours. And he said when they, they got up and got going, he said about an hour into the flight, he said the, the pilot came over the intercom and said, hey, the, well, first the seat, fastened seatbelt light came on, and then the pilot came on and said, hey, we're going to head into some turbulence, so I need everybody to buckle up and stay in your seats, and we're going to uh, stop the in-flight service for a while. And uh, the pastor said, sure enough, man, they hit this rough air, and this plane starts bouncing all over the sky and uh, and he said then the storm clouds kind of rolled in and all of a sudden now they're in this thick cloud cover and and they're bouncing everywhere and he said it was like every time the plane would hit one of these air pockets and go up and then drop he said you could just hear people going (gasps) (gasps) and the pastor said it was so interesting for me he said because all of a sudden he said I was as I was listening he said I could hear people all over the all over the plane praying and he goes I haven't heard that many people pray in church much less than you know he said, but people are crying out to God. You know, oh, God, oh, God. You know, there's just, you know, and he, and he said, as I'm, I'm listening to all this, and he said, and i got to be honest. He goes, man, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. I've been a Christian for a long time. And he said, and I was getting scared. He goes, man, the lightning's flashing, the plane's jumping. He said, things are flying everywhere. People are gasping. People are crying. And he said, I'm, I'm watching all this. Gun. He said, then I look across the aisle. He said, there's this little girl sitting in the seat, crawl, collaring in a coloring book. And she's like, and he said, I'm watching her bob up and down. And he said, she's not even looking up. She said, she's just collaring, trying to stay in the lines, you know, and and doing all this. And he goes, and she's not got one, one, you know, worry in the world. He goes, I'm watching this thing. He goes, made me mad a little bit, you know. She's like, you know, the kid, come on. But she's just having this time of her life. And then we said we finally got to some, you know, clean air. And we got, you know, finally we were able to get down. He said, man, when the, when the plane landed, he said the whole plane just exploded in applause. You know, people were just thankful to be safe. And he said, but I, I couldn't help myself. He said, when I, we were deplaning and he said the girl, little girl was gathering all of her stuff up. And he said, I got to the edge of my, or the aisle, right there by the aisle. And I leaned over to her and he said, honey, I, I got to be honest. He goes, you're amazing. He said, I, I was watching you and 
He said, everybody was yelling and screaming, and you, you weren't even looking up from your collaring. You just seemed to be, you know, just such at peace, and, and like the storm didn't bother you. Well, you know, why weren't you afraid like the rest of us were? And this little girl, he said, looks at her with a big smile on her face. She goes, my daddy's the pilot, <laughs> and he's taking me home. I'll bet if we believed that for us, that God really is our pilot and he's going to take us safely home. I'll bet we wouldn't worry nearly as much as we do. I'm not going to minimize today what you're going through because I know that some of you have some really big deals happening in your life. And I'm not going to tell you that, you know, fear doesn't come at all of us because it really does. Here's what I am going to tell you. God is bigger. And I believe with all of my heart that God doesn't want worry to take over our lives. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy with burden, and I'll give you rest. Aren't you tired of carrying this worry all by yourself? You don't have to. Rachel's going to sing a song for us. It's a, it's a beautiful song. I, I'd never heard it before when she introduced it to me. And I, I just want you to let this song minister to you. But I, I want to give you an opportunity just to, to lean into God and to do what Peter says. And that's to cast all of your worries upon him because he cares about you. You can do that right where you're sitting. You know, you can make the pew your place of prayer and lean into God that way. Some of you may want to just come to an altar where you just spend a few moments before God. You can do that. In your bulletins, we also put some cards that look like this. And these are the hands of God reaching out from heaven. And and another way that you can respond today that might help you is to tangibly put your worries on this card. What is it that you're worried about? Your son, your daughter, your finances? a relationship, your health. And I just invite you today, while Rachel's singing, just to to write those words. Put them in the hands of God, and then you can come to the front here on the table up front where we've already collected a lot of different cards. Here at the foot of the cross, you can just put your card down and just give your worries to Jesus. After Rachel sings this song, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask God to lift the cloud from our heart And set us free from the worry that so many of us are carrying. However you want to respond to God today, you do that while Rachel sings, and then I'll pray. Fathers, we come to you today. We're reminded that you are a God who sees our needs before we even know that they're there. Who's aware of our problems before we ever are. Your word calls us again and again, Lord, not to carry all of the burdens of life all by ourselves, but we're to cast them on you. Over and over again, you say, call out to me and see if I won't respond from heaven. So today, Lord, here we are. Now we lay all of our worries here at your feet. Right here in these pews, Lord, where we've been praying. Right here at these altars where we've knelt. Right here on this table, Lord, where we've written them on cards and we've laid them at the foot of the cross. 
God, we're tired. We, we know that we don't have the capacity to overcome worry by ourselves, but we do believe from the bottom of our hearts that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. And one of those is that worry doesn't have to be in control of our life. Faith can be. And so today, Lord, we instead of focusing on our fears, we fix our eyes upon you. Lift the cloud from our soul. Lift the weight from our shoulders. Lift the fear from our heart. Help us to feel you even now, breathing into us the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for all of these folks who are walking through all of these difficult circumstances, would you put your hand upon their shoulder? Would you let them know right now that you are with them every step of the way? We love you so much, God. It's in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray today. And everyone said, amen.